everybody. Welcome to the Mindset Nebula, where we talk about tech. We talk about design. We talk about user experience. We talk about SAP sometimes. We talk about whatever is on our minds. We just like to nerd out about stuff. Uh, I am Paul. Uh, with us, as always, is the amazing, awesome Jen. Hi, Jen. Hello. How are, how are you? How you doing? Good. Good, good, good. <laughs> Uh, that was like that was like we both said how are you and yeah. good like across the <laughs> internet to each other at the same time simultaneously. Remind so me. we can agree Fine. that we are Minnesota nice and good to each other. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, and of course, as always, is also with us the incredible Hulk himself, John. John, how you doing? Splendid. How Ooh. are you? Ooh. I, like I mean, I'm still good from when Jen asked me. But I like that you said splendid. I like that. <laughs> He's trying to change it up. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of changing it up, for the first time on the Mindset Nebula, we have a, a, what a, a visiting lecturer emeritus, uh, uh, a guest uh, speaker of note. Uh, we have a guest with us. And our guest is none other than the than the astounding Andy Pryor. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. I'm waiting for the uh, the clap track to go along with this. You know, welcome <laughs> to the show. We get the, the clapping going on. You know? Yeah. you know, we should we should have like the we should have like the radio station stuff where we can go like like the Hong Kong things, you know, and we can push the button and it makes it makes the noises to go along with it. Goes, it goes wow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we already we already have more great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> great. See, this is this is why we need to have more guests, is because like the first thing out of Andy's mouth is boom, improving the podcast, which is <laughs> right. Which is which I think is both happy and sad, maybe because maybe we should be trying to do that ourselves anyway. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no, it's so, great. Thanks, thanks for having me on, Paul and and John and Jen. Uh, it's cool that you guys are doing this podcast. So thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course, you are. You were at the top of the list, like primo number one guy we want to have on here. So it's really good to, to get you on here. Um, <clears throat> today, we are going to talk, uh, we're going we're gonna to use Andy's expertise and dive further into the topic that we did on our last episode, which was like a, a, a pretty deep dive on mobility. But I think we all agree that there's still like a lot of stuff to uncover there. Um, and Andy's a great guy to to have on to really expand more on the things that we discussed last time and go further and further along. So I think maybe what we can do, Andy, give us give us like the detailed like the like soup to nuts. Who is Andy Pryor? Like, how'd you get where you're going? Uh, why did you choose the hat you're wearing? And like all that stuff. Just give it to us right now. <laughs> Sure. So I, I picked the hat that I'm wearing because uh, I've kind of got the hobo haircut going on right now because of the COVID-19 thing. So yeah. uh, I, you know, cover it up and, and make sure that it's all hidden underneath though. So no, really, thanks. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for the, the intro there. So <clears throat> I guess it, it, it all started a long time ago when I uh, took my computer apart in front of my my parents and they were really surprised to see that uh, that the computer was in pieces all over the carpet and <laughs> and uh, 
pretty angry and actually wanted me to wanted to wanted me to put it back together immediately. <laughs> but uh, that was that was the beginning of my my technical days, and so even through I'd say high school um, up into some parts of college, I I did. Um, sort of a, a side gig where I fixed computers. I worked on networking. Um, I was at one time uh, almost certified in Novell Netware. For those of you who are old enough Ooh. to remember what that was, Jeez. yeah, yep. So I was uh, I was really into that back in the back in the day. Any any uh, listeners under thirty five are furiously googling Novell. What is Novell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's basically, you know, it was a novel thing in networking and networking operating systems uh, mm-hmm. when server grades hardware wasn't available uh, at that time. So you would, you would either uh, be invested in, in Windows NT or Novell Netware. Mm-hmm. I happened to go to a school that was using Novell, so that's what I learned and learned network administration. Mm. So I was also one of those guys that uh, went through college and worked in the IT lab that was, you know, mm. fixing computers and stuff like that to get a yeah. discount on your, <laughs> on your, uh, on your, uh, tuition, tuition. Yeah. And, and things like that. So, yeah. um, right out of school, I went and started working at a local manufacturing company where I, I decided to do development. And, uh, you know, I, when I, when I was graduating from college, I thought, what should I do? Should I go into uh, being an analyst or network administrator? Um, and I remember there was a, a point in time where, you know, they compared these different careers and like, and then there's developer. Developers make X more dollars than network administrators. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to do that. That's, that's how I made my career. To and you discovered your motivation, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and so, I mean, you know, there was, there was a kind of a big spectrum of, you know, starting off from PC repair to networking to, I I thought I was going to be a business analyst and then uh, switching over to developer. So I kind of didn't know what I was going to do like every other teenage boy in, uh, in college, right? You just don't know what you're going to do for the four four (laughs) or five years that you're deciding (laughs) to go to college. (laughs) And, and by the way, I don't think that's limited to boys either, but yeah. yeah exactly. I didn't know what I was doing half the time I was in college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, you know, one thing that you mentioned that, Jen, I didn't see a lot of girls in the comp sci program that was, mm-hmm. uh, that was in university. So we would see girls come in and they would be there for a while and they would immediately audit the class be like, nope, <laughs> totally out, don't like this, you know. So it was, uh, it was interesting to see people come in and go out. I don't know how many times I had lab projects where my partner, uh, you know, again, doesn't matter boys or girls, someone would come in and they would be like, nope, this is not for me. And then yeah. immediately head back out. Cause it's a, it's a lot harder of a career to get into than, than people might think. Right. Yeah. So anyhow, I, I graduate, uh, from, from university, I go, to work at this uh, local manufacturing company. And it was really great because they had so much types of software for me to jump into. So um, my official title was .NET developer and apparently .NET developer equated to 
.NET, Java, Classic ASP, Perl, COBOL, <laughs> ABAP, PI, right? All of these different languages. Um, basically, they with, with that that title, you know, they just started throwing everything at us. And uh, there was about four or five of us on a team um, writing a manufacturing execution system. And then SAP came in and, and did a uh, implementation. Um, so I was a, a part of that and the integration with that. And eventually, you know, uh, my, my boss said, hey, um, I need you to be an ABAP developer now and we'll, uh-huh. we'll, we'll pay you more. <laughs> and so, and so you discovered that. your motivation again. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, I'll, I will definitely follow that, right? <laughs> so that's how I got into SAP. Surprisingly, I don't know about the rest of you. Did, did anyone else here know about SAP when they were in college? No. My very last week as a senior in college, they, they mumbled the letters ERP. And I was like, what is that? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. exactly. I'm, grad- I'm so graduating, fun. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was the same with me, too. So I, I, I said, what's ABOP? And I remember the you know, they made me go through this training program and it said, welcome to SAP ABAP program. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, you know, obviously someone who didn't know how to do the the training for it. Um, Right. And and so anyhow, I I learned from that. Uh, I was, I was familiar with object oriented programming. My, my uh, colleagues who were ABAP developers were not familiar with that. So, My, uh, my boss said, go teach everyone how to do object oriented. So we have these, this room, let me set the scene for you. The room is full of these guys who are 15, 20 years in their career. And here I am like two or three years out of college. So it's, so it's like the kind of people who are like, yeah, I'm not going to fucking listen to you. No, I don't don't give a shit what you have to say. You don't know what you're talking about, right? (laughs) <laughs> and and it was most of the time it was arguing i would i would talk about design patterns and they're like when are we ever going to need to use that and i would come up with use cases and they're like well i can just write you know a go-to statement that does the same thing it's like you're missing the point you know but it it was it was an interesting journey and then i moved into to integration uh that became my primary career there was a product called xi at the time and i I worked with that. It's more of a tool than I would say it's a, a programming paradigm. It was meant to interface with our manufacturing execution system, uh, with B2B, B2C type of scenarios. And I had no idea what I was doing. That was, that was how most of it started. So I, I, thought, I figured out that you could write Java functions in there, and that's what I did uh, for the longest yeah. time until I figured out you know, what I was doing. And uh, I remember we had a, a real XI consultant come in and say, you shouldn't do it this way, right? <laughs> Spent the, the next few do months on doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, with this company, you know, I did a lot of things. Uh, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot fast because it was a small company. Mm-hmm. You know, they had yeah. um, a lot of jobs to do. So it wasn't like, here's your silo and you can only play in this one one spot. So I, I'm really thankful that I got to have that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, so I went from base hardware to networking to the whole plethora of uh, development. I worked on the first mobile 
framework that I worked on was Windows CE. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's pretty far back too. like, yeah, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Do we need to turn uh, up the volume on this podcast so you can hear it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, an, it's an old people joke. I'm sorry. I don't know. I, 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 I didn't know how it would go. I don't know. <laughs> Paul is older than I am. That's yeah. Why. <laughs> you can just see the gray in my beard here. So yeah, a, I just turned, I just, I just turned 39. So that's old. Yes. Well, whoa. I'm 38, so you guys are like, "Whoa, that's ancient!" Yeah, <laughs> can you can you hear us, dude? It's like yeah. <laughs> we can hear all... the ringing. We can hear the ringing from your from your uh, hearing aid, Paul. It's, it's yeah. really coming across. <laughs> at some point, at some point, I'm just gonna fall asleep in the chair on the camera. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And you guys will just like you guys will just like finish the podcast and just like hang up on the Zoom meeting and like, like go whatever. Yeah. How, how many meetings have you been in with, whenever you've worked at either a customer or been a part of a, uh, a enterprise? And there's always the, that old guy there. He's he's like this at first. <laughs> oh, dude. And then all of a sudden so he's like he's, this he's so many times. And then, you know, and nobody is like. He's old. He can do that. So they just I know. like keep going without it's, it. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's just hilarious. It's, it's like earned. it's like the guys who are. It's like the the crusty old crusty old people who are in the training that you did for object oriented programming. They're like, man, I don't care. Yeah, my, pay, my paycheck is twice yours anyway. So shut the fuck up. You know, it's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Well, you know, at this point, I in my career, I didn't at uh, at, at this manufacturing company, I did not have any sort of consulting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I moved to the Denver area. Um, it was right at the beginning of 2013, and uh, I started working for a, a local consultancy here. It was it was a type of company they had both project work and both uh, uh, managed services type of work. And so I, I started off, you know, doing a lot of the, the XIPI, ABOP type of stuff when I came in. And, um, and I was doing a lot of project work at that point. You know, there was a big implementation project going on. There was a um, moving of, of uh, environments to a different, different hosting provider. Um, mm-hmm. It just took a lot of time, right? <clears throat> and so... Yeah. Uh, eventually, you know, my technical chops were recognized by the, the fellows who ran that place. And they, they said, you know, what do you think about trying to lead our development practice? And, you know, at that point, that that company was mostly focused on basis. Um, they just started managed services. They just started bringing on functional people. And uh, so it was really exciting. And we we yeah. just pulled the trigger on, on Fiori and UI5 and Gateway. Yeah. Um, I can remember our very first project was was uh, was already sold, and there's like, hey, does anybody know how to do gateway development? <laughs> nope, <laughs> nope, nobody knows how to do it. So uh, basically, I was I was uh, did a three day crash course in it before we started doing our, our first project on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's our very first gateway yeah. developer, yeah. you know. But you know, I think those experiences where you're you're thrown out into um, into a new project and you're and you're challenged to sink or swim uh, is probably it's uncomfortable, but it's good for growth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. 
that that is uh, that is definitely useful in your career. So yeah, then fast forward about five years from that, and uh, my my friend John here was. Uh, was working at a at a company called Mindset. Oh, now the truth me, comes Ooh. out. Ooh. <laughs> tells me tells me that where he's working. Well, I mean, there's to be fair, he was just telling me about his new job, right? Yeah. He's just telling me about his new job, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I saw a posting, you know, for uh, for a UX architect, and uh, <laughs> I I I totally saw that and there was uh, I put in my resume and it was hilarious because I got a call from uh, Alex Jones at the time and he he was uh, he was leaving a recruiting area at mindset and he said why did you submit a resume we know who you are <laughs> you know <laughs> the speaking circuit with us with SAP insider and ASOC and it's like, it's like this is yeah, the official you, way to apply to a job. Yeah, yes, like how else, right. <laughs> am I supposed to knock on the door with like with yeah. a certain knock pattern, or what do I do? I, I think they're more expecting a phone call, right? It's just like, oh, right. you have this job. Why don't you know? So it was it was pretty easy. Uh, it made sense. I think mindset was a better fit for me than um, what I was what I was doing in the other in the other job. So yeah, that kind of brings us up to present. Really, you know, I worked on. Lots of things at Mindset, cloud platform owner for a little while, mm -hmm. and uh, and recently started ownership of uh, the, the Denver area, um, trying to grow our footprint there and become a recognized brand for Mindset, mm. and uh, you know, focusing westward after after that. I feel like there right. should be well, a hey. the West, 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 West. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should have it be part of like if you say Andy's name, you have to say his full name and title, like Andy Pryor, <laughs> Lord of the West, Slayer of the <laughs> Nine <laughs> of Agathos, Westeros, yeah, <laughs> wielder of the wielder of the Iron Scepter. You know, anyway, um, Andy, Andy, I'm gonna make you some business cards that says Andy Pryor, Lord of the West. Lord of the West. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> I can imagine handing that out and, and the reactions that I'll get for it. What? You read that right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, West yeah. Do you live in the West? Well, guess what? I'm your Lord. Yeah. <laughs> You may now kiss the ring. <laughs> I didn't say you could look at me. Yeah. Uh, so. so okay, so that brings us up to present. That yep. and I think it's I think it's good to to have you on, like I mentioned before, to have you on based on the topic we ended our last episode on, because I know that your head is still very, very much in the mobile space with the customers that you're working with and the customers that you're working on bringing on board. And so we talked, you know, last time we talked a lot about um, like mobile development frameworks and kind of very device focused kind of things. But mm -hmm. I want to kind of use your expertise to maybe go a little wider than just like thinking about mobile in terms of like the thing you're holding in your hand. So, so my, my first question out of the gate to you, Andy, is t tell us about how you construct an architecture of like enterprise mobility, not just the device, but all of the various dots and lines and 
boxes and whatever in the Visio diagram of the whole thing, how do you go about constructing that? What, what are the other parts of the puzzle that people aren't thinking of when they just think of like an app on a phone as a mobility, right? Sure. Yeah, that <clears throat> that is a very wide topic. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times I think people think that a mobile app is just something you put on your phone. But if you really tug on that thread, you'll find that there's a lot of architecture that goes behind that. It's one thing to say I wrote an app that uh, is consumer grade. It's very specific. I could put it on the app store. And, uh, you know, I, I, most of my infrastructure is on AWS, which is mm. kind of one, one area of architecture to fo- focus on. But another is also, what if it's an enterprise application and it's not going to be on an app store, right? Where do I put it? How do I get it there? Um, right. it's, not, it's not something you can just sideload onto an Android device and call it good. Um, so a lot of, a lot of times I, I, I think customers think they want a mobile application. And then we start talking about, well, do you have mobile device management? So whenever someone comes on to your application, they're enrolled and you're able to see who is using the application. You can see when they log on, when they have problems, when you need to push settings to them, when, when yeah. they need to go uh, to an app store. Um, are you going to enforce using mobile application management? Um, which is a funny acronym, by the way, MAM. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's always MDM and then there's MAM. Every time I hear MAM, I start looking for my great aunt across the room or something like that. It's, no, you feel like you need to like, tip yeah. your, you like tip yes. your a little bit? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's there are those pieces that are just as far as like getting the app out there to people, um, getting it to where it can be managed and getting it to where if it's if you have someone who's in the field using the app and it crashes, what are you going to do? You're going to run over there and and try to fix it for them, right? They're, mm. they're they could be in a different state. So how are you going to help them troubleshoot? Uh, so that's where you need something that's like the voice of the customer, voice of the employee. They can sure. say, hey, this thing broke. Um, I want to surface it back to the people who made this to to describe my unhappiness about this. Um, mm-hmm. or in a more technical sense, also to surface the, you know, the errors that happen, um, so that we can help fix the bug or reproduce it. Um, all of that can be done through architecture. Yeah. Then, then the, the other hardest problem that goes along with it is the integration, Mike. Um, there's customers I work with where it's like, oh, well, SAP is only, a small footprint of all of the things I want this to talk to. So I've, I've got this SAP thing. I've got this legacy thing. I've got this uh, access database over here. I've got a spreadsheet over there. And and you're thinking, how the hell am I going to get all of this stuff pulled yeah. together and make it you work? Know, there's, there's a lot of times where like, so if you, if you kind of come in naively, You'd be like, gosh, my hardest challenge is going to be writing Swift or Kotlin or whatever to like make my app go. But like when you get there and you realize, no, 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 my hardest problem is like everything but that. Yeah. You know, exactly. Man, it's, it's tough. It, it, the, it's tough. <clears throat> it's tough to pick out the different software pieces too, because I think customers, whenever they see the price tag of what, a, a, especially the first mobile application, um, that's always one of the most difficult to say, okay, here's the price tag for this. And it's not 
$10,000. It's not, right. it's not a hundred thousand dollars. It can be multi hundred thousand dollars, uh, based off of what they're trying to do. So, you know, if I were to start off with the AWS thing, that could be pretty cheap until people start using it. And then a hundred users use it. Price goes up a little bit. A thousand users start using it. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden your, your prices start to snowball. Right. Yeah. yeah um, say, especially that, that very first, that very first application when you're having to set up the infrastructure and the single sign on oh, yeah. pieces. And it's like all these different components that nobody thinks of. They're just like, yeah, throw me an app together, put it on my phone. Woo. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you're, if you're able to just say, okay, yeah, as long as you want to log in with your Facebook ID and <laughs> great, you know, we've got, uh, we've got single sign on taken care of most of the time, strangely enterprises don't want Facebook to be any part of their application. So, yeah, imagine that, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, getting single sign on said, I, you'd be amazed how many, uh, how many times I come to a, a customer and it's like, we want single sign on. It's like, well, that's not really part of the app. Right. It's like, so that you pull on one string and then this big ball of stuff falls out that they've, <laughs> they've got to work on. Um, so I usually try to say, have you done this before and try to assess, you know, what, what is your experience level with this? Um, maybe your first mobile application is a website right? It's uh, yeah. an application that is able to scale to a phone and then you can also run it on a browser or on a tablet. And that's a little bit easier to consume than, you know, single sign-on uh, using OAuth with a, <clears throat> with an API gateway and with backend uh, microservices that pull information from different places that... Yeah sync it into a database it can be used on the cloud like there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces there to consider so you know a lot of times it for me i just get get around it i just get my head around it i just draw it out on paper or put a diagram together so then i can start thinking about it in smaller chunks just like development right you yeah take big tasks and break them into smaller tasks um this is the same thing just at a little bit higher level right Right. So the there's there's another part of the story here too because so like I just kind of I just kind of said you know hey you know Swift and Kotlin is like your smallest problem when you bring in the whole thing. Well, like the, we just talked about all the tech. Now th- if we think beyond that, there's this other class of problem that I think has an even bigger effect on this stuff. And yet most people are not even thinking about it at all. And that, of course, is design. Yeah. So I like what I want to do, because we didn't we didn't do this enough last time either, is I want to dive deeper and deeper into the design factor as well here. So Jen, you probably smell me coming <laughs> for you here. Because because I, I can smell you too, man. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> you got you got the hobo Boy. hat on too, so don't... <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do have the hobo hat on, and it's like an old hat too. So it's uh, you know, it's got that it's got that that uh, it's a Paul flavor to it. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> um, so Jen, interacting with mobile is different than interacting with other kinds of applications. 
-hmm. Talk us through how to design for that. Yeah. So one of my first things that I usually think about is like what the person's doing while they're using the app. Uh Um, So if you think about how someone interacts with their phone versus how someone interacts with their computer, usually if you're at your computer, you just, well, you're either like at work or you're just like sitting down at home, like maybe not necessarily slowly doing something, but it's not like a fast paced thing. Um, If you think about on your phone, like you could be in a store doing something. Um, You could be, you're usually doing things like on the go. And so like you're trying to like get things done quick. And so like when you think about how someone's using this, you want to kind of complement their task. You don't want to have this thing that that's just like taking up more time for them to complete the task you want it to make it easier for them so if you think about like depositing a check um without an app you have to go to the bank drive or however you get there um fill out your little form go up to the counter talk to the teller and like deposit and everything and then you're finally done if you think about like a mobile app all you have to do is you could do it at home anywhere you're at um you could be at the store but they make it so easy. You just like put in the amount, take a picture, just verify everything, and then you're done. And your check is your check is deposited. So you just gotta think about like how are they using this? How can we make it easier for that user and not just like take up more time? Because if you make if you take up more That's... time, they're just gonna be and you're like, well, if it's gonna take me this long to do this on this app, anyways, I might as well go to the bank and deposit my check there. I, person. I, Jen, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I really, I really love that like. You just said complimentary mm-hmm. and like I had never really thought, I mean, it makes sense, but I hadn't thought about it in like with mobile apps in my, in my work before mobile really existed, I could like sit at my computer and do all of the things. And my job was doing mm-hmm. the things on the computer, but yep. with mobile, like I'm doing a different thing. And then occasionally I have to like tap my mobile screen to do a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So like <clears throat> a ton of the apps that we've designed for mindset projects, are like, you know, the person, the, the, the employee of the company is doing their physical task and mm-hmm. then occasionally going, here's the thing, right? On the yeah. mobile device. That's, mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like the distinction. And that helps me think even, even just now, having done this for years already, mm-hmm. that just that word is really, that's intriguing to me. I like it's really that. complimentary. It's com- like, <laughs> Jen, Jen, the things you say are very complimentary to my brain. (laughs) It's funny, actually, because a lot of times in in our design thinking workshops, I, I, like, Jen has to smack me or, or, you know, just say something like, because I'm always thinking, oh, yeah, well, they'll just, they'll just click over here with their mouse. And I'm like, well, wait, we're designing something for mobile first, like we normally need to do. They have to, like, push you know, there's different interactions in between devices mm-hmm. and you really have to think about that because most of the time I'm like, oh yeah, they just, well, they'll, they'll have a mouse. They can click on that tab really mm-hmm. easily. I'm like, well, what if I'm a, a service person in the cold with a glove on with, you know, all these other interactions coming into play mm-hmm. and I have to click on this tiny thing in a tiny spot on a screen that just, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Even the other day we had, we we're in a workshop and someone's like, oh yeah, like, Maybe we can just have them hover over this asset, like this asset, and like they can see the description. It's like, but if you go on mobile, you can't hover on something. 
So you have to like <laughs> yeah. find a different way to either well, display the information. Or... I can hover on mobile. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be like I mean, Chuck Norris can hover on mobile, right? That's the... <laughs> yeah. Now there's 3D touch, so I feel like that is kind of I don't know. It's not quite. The oh, same, but... I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I That's... I like this the design sessions you're in, and and they're you know there's it's usually a process owner or a subject matter expert who's like we want this field person to enter uh, about 50 fields of data <laughs> on a screen mm -hmm. that's about this big right here, yeah. right? And, and, uh, and it's, it's, they're gonna do all this and then it, downstream it's gonna be great. And I know uh, Jen and I have looked at each other a couple of times and been like, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> We've gotta come up with something yeah. different like that. Yeah, you know, well, sometimes we they're like, this? exactly, like, like our, like most recent client, it's like they're, they could be out in the cold. Like you don't want to make them stand out in Minnesota weather in the winter, like yeah. for half hour trying to fill <laughs> up this form. And then it's like simple things like what's the date today? What's the time right now? It's like so many things you could automate. Yeah. yeah. So Jen, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay on you here though, because like <clears throat> tell, talk to me, talk to me about like visually as a designer, you approach like layouts and things like that on like mobile versus desktop versus responsive mm -hmm. mobile kind of stuff. Like tell, tell us more about that because as a developer, a lot of times I just like, I type the code that puts the field on the screen and then like mm -hmm. responds to it. But like, I don't think about like the, whether that's appropriate for like a mobile thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So tell yeah. us more about like that layout part of the process. Yeah. So one thing John touched on was just like, like button size, it's such a simple thing. But if you think about someone who's out in the field or out on the floor in a, a plant, just like they've got gloves on, they've got eye protection on. It's like just simple things like that, like making that big enough so they can like touch the button or like see it. Um, that's a simple part of it. But also like layout wise overall, trying to fit, if you take a desktop app with and you fill it with information, trying to squeeze it onto a mobile app is going to be not impossible, but very painful. So if there's any chance of anything wanting to be mobile in the future, it's good to start mobile first, if possible. Um, just so like you put these fields or this information on there and then it's way easier to expand up in screen size rather than trying to squeeze all the stuff from a desktop onto a mobile. Um, so it's kind of like, again, the same project that I was just talking about. Um, they have paper forms right now, which makes sense. Like you could put those fields on a desktop, but like think about this employee like scrolling through and scrolling through and scrolling through these 50 fields, trying to do all that stuff. So yeah. if you just pick like the stuff that's absolutely necessary or like everything that they need to go on to the next step, mm -hmm. that's gonna be a lot easier than trying to mm -hmm. put everything in there. Right. Hmm. Adding on to that, helping them figure out like, what can they do? Cause uh, I think a lot of times I see it's like, oh, we're trying to record information about things that are going on, but helping them understand it's like you can use intelligent technologies where you take a picture uh, and then you, you run it through an OCR service or you run it through a uh, recognition service that says, oh, that's a tree and it's broken, right? And so maybe you could use that to fill out part of the fields on the screen, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Or uh, having natural language processing to where you know, instead of typing a bunch of notes there, they just 
type it in or they use their voice and just talk into it. Right. So it's a lot less typing because some of these people, they don't want to sit around and type on their phone Mm -hmm. for a long period of time. Um, And then at some point you have to realize like, is the phone really the right thing to be doing this? Or is this more like fitting for a tablet? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, for service and field people probably trying to design for, for the mobile phone device is better um, for the most part, because they're trying not to carry around so much stuff or they're already carrying around a lot of stuff. So adding another thing for them to carry isn't, isn't a great idea. Um, but it's, I think one of the things I find from our design thinking sessions that are really enlightening is uh, I try to tell people before we start, it's like, think like a beginner, you know, don't, um, don't come in with preconceptions. I've, I've got a story about that uh, maybe for another time. <laughs> But where people come in and uh, they've already got it in their mind, this is the way it's going to be designed. And they, and they can't help themselves. They have to like interrupt you and tell you all about it. It's like, thanks, but we're going to like follow the process. And then afterwards they realize, you know, like why that is not a, a good way to do that. Um, just because of the things we've talked about here so far is you don't think about like maybe my idea for depositing a check was to um, have a piece of equipment that we attach the, to the phone and then scan it in. I've already got my mind set on that that's the way it's going to do it. Um, but we know that later on, it's like, oh, what if we use the camera, right? We didn't explore that idea. So coming in kind of as a blank slate helps. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, especially for the, you know, for us here who are talking about it, who've done it before, right? It's hard not to say, I already know how to solve this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I already know the answer to this. <laughs> That's true. That is hard. That is, yeah. that is hard. Yeah. Um, when I started doing design sessions, well, for a while, um, I used to sketch along with the users and they've kind of stepped back from that just because it's like, I know the floor plans and like what oh, Fiori yeah. can do. It's like, oh, yeah. I'll do this. But it's it's good to like, obviously, it's good to listen to them and what they right. think and stuff outside of Fiori since you're not so stuck in it. Jen, you should do a thing where like you don't don't like put your floor plan or don't put your don't put your drawings in the mix, but mm-hmm. you should do like a predictive thing of like here's where I think it's gonna be, right? <laughs> and uh, in the process, and then like when the final thing is out there, be like, guys, look, I saw it coming five miles I, I away. Did yeah, I did this. <laughs> yeah. like, we yeah. just we just got to where I knew we were gonna get. So what's up? Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> you should, yeah. you should do that. I'd say that's so, probably happened whenever we participate sometimes i know that for myself especially when you have a group that's not real interactive mm-hmm. right and you feel like you know, it's the andy show i'm i'm running everything <laughs> here nobody's nobody's interacting so i have to like can't have dead air like, in the middle lead, of this so lead them on <laughs> yeah <clears throat> just lead them lead them it's like okay this is what it's gonna going to be or even worse when you if you've been on a really time a tight time schedule and it's like, I need to be done by this time. And it's, I've had one before where it's like, guys, I have to leave for a flight in 30 minutes. This is what the app's going to look like. It's more of a, we're, this is over, right? We wasted <laughs> like, too much time talking about it. <laughs> like, trust me, I've listened to everything you said for the past three days, but this is what it's going to yeah, be. This is, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> I, I got, guys, I didn't tell you that design thinking means my thinking. Right, yeah. gonna, <laughs> you're thinking like you're design thinking, thinking is, i'm gonna think and then that's <laughs> right <laughs> so no really okay. it's it's good to have the different minds though mm-hmm. yeah for sure john 
in in the in the product space that you're working on right now, and and you're, you guys are working on a couple of things. There's mobility is involved there, totally. And I and I think you guys have kind of examined a couple angles on the solution that you've looked at and how to get there. Whether what are the right pieces of tech? What's the right design? Tell us more about that stuff in in the in the space of what you're looking at. Yeah, and and funny enough, you know, and Andy kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, a, a little bit earlier. And so, what what we've been looking at just most recently, you know, due to due to COVID restrictions, due to supply chains and transportation being a, a huge part of what's what's going on in the world right now, just being able to keep up with with supply in a safe manner, mm-hmm. we've. Um, we, we've delved a little bit into our our TM driver app that we that we created a few years back, and um, made something even even a little bit uh, you know a few less features, but a lot quicker to deploy and a lot quicker to to get into mm-hmm. to real users' hands. So mm-hmm. um, we looked at some requirements and we did this with a few different customers. We had uh, we had requirements where a number of customers they needed a fully open application. So that meant I want anonymous user access. You know, I don't know who's gonna, who, who a driver is going to be that's coming to my facility. You know, I, I'm using third-party trucking companies. So somebody who shows up to check into my warehouse, I don't necessarily already know who's, who's coming. So I just right. need to be able to send them to their phone a URL link. And, and that's, that's kind of literally what, what we did for this. You know, there's no application that they download to their phone and install and log in and you know try to get to all these different steps just to get a mobile app on a phone it's mm-hmm. it, it is literally a hosted website but designed mm-hmm. for mobile so it's it's a cloud hosted solution that you know it is quote unquote designed for mobile but mm-hmm. we just send them a website we send them a url link that they they hit they fill out some fields and without passing pieces of paper back and forth, without getting out of the truck, stuff like that. They can check in and check out of warehouses, facilities, you know, where, wherever they're, they're delivering or picking up goods. And so it's um, super, super simple, but more like a 30-day, within a 30-day window of, of go-to-market from, from design to actually getting it into a driver's hands. So, you know, just wow. based on on, look, we need to be safe right now. We're, we're having too many pieces of paper interacting back and forth between people. We're worried that, you know, we're, I'm, I'm a warehouse clerk at a plant. I deal with hundreds of drivers a day. You know, what, what happens if we were to transmit something? Just so so what time. this does is it becomes complementary <laughs> <laughs> to, to both the driver and the clerk, right? Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's and it's something you know we we you know Andy worked on actually a lot uh, before a yeah. few years back with uh, with our TM driver application that had a ton more features and available in the App Store and things like that on on iOS devices and this is just kind of a a really skinny down slim slim version of something like that. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. Interesting. You know we talk about the paper being handed back and forth. Have you thought about how dirty? mobile phones are like, <laughs> i mean just let your mind go around there on that on how dirty those are if you don't ever get them clean I'm, that's don't. one of those things someone so someone hands you their mobile device and it's like yeah. i'm good i got mine you know it's like, <laughs> maybe you can just yeah. shoot me the link Wait, so yeah. are you guys 
Are you guys telling me you don't immediately lick their mobile phone if they? No. <laughs> oh, I guess maybe I've been doing that that's, wrong the whole time. Yeah, that's different. How you My build bad. immunity? <laughs> guess I'll stop doing that then. Oh, okay. Wait, shit on Paul. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I've seen your phone. It's uh, it's all it's all set to Comic Sans. There's a contents on there. Uh, yeah, and since and, and it's like. And it's enormous because I'm old, right? I'm 39, so I have, <laughs> I have like the the just fucking gigantic like six characters per screen font yeah. size on my on my messages. Everyone can app. read your text messages. Yeah, he, he also walks around talking to his phone, you know, texting yeah. my voice. Oh, oh, oh! And I have, <laughs> so and I, have I have the belt clip thing where yeah. you like you pull yeah. the phone out oh, of that. Clip can thing. you like spin it? And it's got and it's got this case that's like eight times as big as the phone. Yeah. You know? Like you could like so just you in could, case like, you drop it off on a helicopter yeah. or whatever. <laughs> in case I drop it on my chainsaw in the backyard or Yeah. That's okay. I have eight layers of otter box around my phone anyway, so who cares? Right. <laughs> We're still good to go. <laughs> Andy, uh, nicely done because you brought up something that we need to have Jen dissect. Dun, dun, dun. And that is <laughs> Comic Sans. Yeah. Because we've been, we've been talking about... This, 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 is, this is one of those things that I, I really want to get the designer's perspective. And I, and I kind of, and, and like for me, I wanted to, I want to hear it broken down because I have a visceral like about mm-hmm. Comic Sans, but I have no... Right, like, so. I can't, I can't like explain my yeah about comic sans but but tell us more about why it is even though even though art is subjective comic sans is objectively terrible it is it is and if you ask any graphic designer you will get the full story or like the disgust the disgust um (laughs) (laughs) so comic sans was designed based off of like a comic book font, obviously. So it's mm-hmm. called Comic Sans. Makes sense. Um, the designer has only used the font once. And the problem, the biggest problem with it is it got, like, it got downloaded onto everyone's Microsoft machine. So everyone started using it. And they're like, oh, this cool, fun, new font. And so they wanted to use it everywhere. But, the like, the problem is people keep using it for formal things or, like, serious mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And so when you read these formal things and it's in comic scenes, you don't take it seriously. So right. it's like, I don't know. It's just like kind of repulsive when you see it. Cause it's just overused and then it's always used in the wrong way. So if you use it in like a comic book thing, it makes sense. Right. If you it kind of, if you use it for like kids things, it's okay. Cause it's supposed to be like a fun whimsical font. Yeah. Like, a lot of people use it for like very angry letters like in the a, fridge at work. A, a funeral <laughs> announcement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's to, just like it's yeah. It's just used so wrong all the time, and so I'm getting this. Okay. I always associate it with with kids stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like it's supposed to be like something that a kid would be interested in, and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've even had a supervisor in the past where they created a, a presentation that was in front of lots of people. Uh, John's see? laughing because he knows they who used I'm it in a about. formal <laughs> setting. Yeah. yeah, and it was in front of everybody. And and so let's just go over it here. It was Comic Sans, 
it was our our logo was like this horrible black and bright green uh that was mixed together that was already kind of garish anyways and so everything in the presentation was like some sort of combination of these colors right drastically different craziness yeah (laughs) yep it's like oh i can use this because i'm serious but i'm fun (laughs) yeah what (laughs) and and you know i'm okay for my terminal window to be that color scheme but uh but i'm not gonna put comic sans as like the presentation that i give to a group of 100 people and not and then everyone going is this guy serious no, is, uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know um so anyways you know there's another conversation to be had around that too about the uh the single space and the double space ah. uh conversation yeah. he was also andy, andy yeah. you you went Some where print. we're going that's good yeah. <laughs> it's because we've we've had this I don't know if you call it a debate because it was so one-sided. I'm and cringing yeah, already. Yeah, it's very one-sided. <laughs> right? It's but like the, a shame session. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> That's what it's called. And I feel like another shame session is coming right now. I think it's coming. <laughs> yeah. So, Andy, the question for you is, do you use single or double space between sentences? I use single space because double space was supposed to be, was supposed to be like back in the day, you had the typewriter, right? And everything was monospaced font. And it was supposed to help the reader know when a sentence stopped because there's that extra space there. Uh-huh. Um, then you have these, these old ass teachers who learn to, to type on a, on a typewriter <laughs> telling their students that they need to put the double space there. Right. That's where yeah. it all came from. That's where yeah. all of this came from. So I... in reality, we don't use monospace font anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So whenever you, you use a period, it automatically kerns and gives the reader enough space to know that the end is there. So you don't need to do the double space anymore. Luckily, at least iOS, <laughs> I don't know about Android, but like if you try to double space, it doesn't do it for you. Yeah, it's it. like no nope. because it's correct. <laughs> yeah, um, you're just like, like, <laughs> it's like it's like Andy already listened to to the previous podcast before it was posted, before and, it was posted and just had had every single same <laughs> point. I think, I, I think it brings up a good point too, though. Oh, is really? that it brings up a good point that like I, I, we must have a similar mind thinking. <laughs> Who is it? John, I'm the I'm John. the guilty party here. I'm the, I've, I've, I learned I learned by that by by a very mili- militaristic uh, typewriter teacher in school <laughs> yeah. to double space everything, and it won't leave my mind. I've I've actually you no know, now that people have called me out, a lot of people now um, <laughs> becoming a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no it's one can not on notice. No one cannot notice the chasms in between my sentences. <laughs> right. Apparently, and now, uh, I, but but the thing is, now I notice it when other people type too, yeah. because we just had somebody join the company who also does it in their Slack <gasps> messages. Oh no, I didn't and I saw that. It, I saw it right away. I saw it right <laughs> away. So I was like, well, John has one hour. Yes. I guess. I'm going to start quadruple spacing so that so that when when it's I like, go back to double spacing everybody think it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah. John, what did you learn to type on? Uh, I can't answer that because it proves your point. <laughs> Uh, I learned to type on a mechanical typewriter. Yeah, it was, was, was an electric. It was an electric typewriter. Yeah, mine was a mechanical. So like, I had the like the really like, long ka-chung. push. It's like <laughs> ka-chung, ka-chung. and I went to a school that was not well funded. I'll admit, 
Um, so half of us had uh, a sheet of paper. Uh, the other half had a had old like IBM keyboards that were like the mechanical type. And then uh, we took our tests on an old mechanical. This thing had to be from the 20s. So like whenever you push it, there was like a lot of travel there. And they did the same thing. They said, you have to double space. Yeah. That way, the, the, if the person doesn't see the period, then you have the, the extra space there to let them know. And then that carried on into, into my English class where we used WordPerfect. Um, yes. Because Microsoft <laughs> Word was not a thing at that time. And uh, the, the English teacher also said, you must do double space and you must uh, cite everything in APA notation. And it was uh, just, yep. you know, yeah. This is weird because <laughs> Everyone cringed this at is the weird same because time when I said that. This is weird because you're, you're one year younger than me, Andy. But uh, I think you went to school in the past, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I, learned, I learned to type in school on a computer. And I used yeah. Word to, to like create stuff on for papers really? and stuff. No way. So I guess Andy just Super like advanced. when he entered the school maybe building. Maybe it's the and, Minnesotans. Uh, I, maybe you you we guys were like way ahead. Well, here's Microsoft Word. I I grew up in Iowa, which you would think oh, would be like okay, using Midwestern? rocks on mud. You know what I mean? In a corner of Missouri, so we're you know that's right on top of Missouri mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was. It was Southwest Missouri, so yeah, it was so, uh, a, a little less funded, um, <laughs> you know. But I, I will say that uh, some of the benefit there was, if you learn to type on a typewriter, you know, you you can be a little bit more accurate than you are with learning on a keyboard and using mm. backspace so much. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah for mm-hmm. sure. I can prove that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, you're you're the youngest here, so I am. probably yeah. you probably learned on was it was it on an like Apple an iPhone or, or something? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that young. Swipe. It was still a computer. The I learned by swiping. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, my I I think the computers we had were were apples in, in school. And uh, they were not fancy at all. Like they, we didn't have the, it it wasn't until I was in middle school. It was like, what is this? And like, this is windows three, one, one. And you know, it was, it was windows 95 was like a new thing by the time that I was in high school. Oh yeah. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yep. Windows 95 came out when I was in kindergarten. Oh God! <laughs> I wish you wouldn't have said that. <laughs> that well, and that's our show. <laughs> Dude, jeez. Oh man, jeez. Windows ninety-five. I can remember so, when I was excited about the about the themes in Windows three one one. They oh, had this totally. one that was called Hot Dog Stand. Yes, it was like yes, red yes. and yellow, and it was horrible. oh my gosh. It was, oh, it sounds like some great usability. I would, I would set it to that, so my mom would be like, "What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> Fix it right now." Paul, those are complimentary colors. Ah, oh, oh. Ooh. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, nice, nice callback. Some design knowledge. Jeez, this is like, it's like, it's like, it's like it's worthwhile having you on this podcast, Jen. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> you you know uh adobe cooler 
Oh yeah. That mm-hmm. is, uh, that has been one of the biggest, um, for someone who's sort of color challenged, um, <laughs> I, I use that all the time. It's like, oh, here's a color. And it's like, what colors go with that? And I have, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So I just like plug it into that and then it'll say, here are the colors that you can put in with that. And then yeah. I can just keep pushing the random button until it gets something <laughs> that looks cool. Yeah. And uh, that's really I'd say cool that's site. replacing a designer or anything like that, but it's, <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> it, it helps. So I like it too. I use it a lot too. Cause it's like, um, I don't know with the, like being a designer, there's different shades of things too, obviously. And mm. so my picky little eyes are like, and oh, now someone else take it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. This works. <laughs> What do you use, Paul? Uh, you just I, type in I, random numbers in the RGB values. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I just like I go look at the bootstrap themes or whatever, and I just pick colors oh, that yeah. are in those themes. I'm colorblind, yeah. so I just like oh, do. Yeah, right. I just do whatever. I just I, I don't even try to look for it to look cool to me. I just like, what is it going to look like to somebody else who already thinks it's cool? That's like enough. A nice you know? simple website pick colors is called flatuicolors.com and that'll flat give you some yeah some good basics cool. yeah yeah, yeah are... no that's good i mean that this that's one of the reasons why like i can be pretty productive in ui5 because like it just kind of poops out a color that you can mm-hmm. a theme that you can start with anyway and yeah. i don't have to make the choices right yeah and that's whew, that is handy <laughs> um yeah and if I'm doing non UI five stuff, I always use Bootstrap or whatever that has themes that have already picked colors and stuff too. I've mm-hmm. I've literally never gone and made my own choice of colors on anything. Like, <laughs> not even gonna try. You know, I I have done it with the theme designer um, for several clients, and sometimes it's really less helpful to use that than it is to do CSS <laughs> on your own. Maybe, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of you have used that before, but it's kind of a nightmare. Sad but true. <laughs> I have. Yeah, Jen, I know Jen has. <laughs> I had a project solely that was theme designer. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. I get frustrated with it and I just go to CSS sometimes. I'll, I'll admit, <laughs> I'm shame, shame. I know I, I, I go and override the the colors. Like it's not doing what I want it to. So I'm going to make mm-hmm. it because this is what I know how to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I uh, I think that's a good place to end it on Andy admitting that he does things the wrong way. Uh, yeah. I think that's a strong that's Paul a strong loves ending. To call it out. <laughs> <laughs> I like to really I like to really cut things right there. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, thanks again for everyone for listening to the Mindset Nebula. Keep your eyes peeled and use the hashtag Ask Mindset hashtag on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever you use to to ask us questions. And we will see you uh, the next time. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Okay, bye.